We invite our kindergarten, first and second graders to be dismissed for their own time of worship while the rest of us take a moment to bow and pray. We pray this day for the capacity to hear beyond the words of a sermon, the words of life and guidance of deep and abiding truth that is not some ideal, but about our very lives. So amidst all of the formality, the ritual that we do, the hymns we sing, the scriptures we read, may the one word penetrate and find home in us. In the name of the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. On Friday nights in my teenage years, when I was uh, dressed up as best I could to head out and uh, begin my evening uh, ministry, so to speak, my dad would stop me just before I uh, opened the front door and he would say to me, Son, don't forget where you live. By that, my dad did not mean, don't forget that the address is 1117 Willowdale Avenue in Kettering, Ohio. He wasn't talking about location. He was talking about my home base, my values, where I abide. Now, abide. Unless you're a fan of the big Lebowski, uh, The word abide is not in the parlance of our time, so to speak. Um, It comes, it's from the same root as the word abode, home. Where you live, where you draw your sustenance, where, where you find your primal identification as to who you really are. Besides all the masks and all the, the, the coverings that we put on ourselves, who are you really? I've been a pastor long enough to know this. Everyone in this room needs and is looking for a place to abide. Where we can live, draw our sustenance and our primal identity. In a world where earth's plates shift and a city collapses and thousands are dead and tens of thousands are homeless, we need a home. As we care, as the writer of 1 John says, loving brother and sister whose names and faces we do not know, we need a home. We need some understanding. In a culture where plates shift, and in the city of Baltimore, all is revealed, all that's been either concealed or repressed or denied is brought to the front, we need a home. We need a home. And there are those times in your life and mine when exhaustion and exasperation give way to cynicism and different forms of self-preservation and we feel like a motherless child, homeless, needing a place to abide. So when Jesus says, abide in me and I'll abide in you, when the writer of 1 John says, abide in God, that is, find that bigger strength and vision and resource, it sounds good. It sounds very appealing. At least it does on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. But what does this mean? What would it look like? 
to abide in God. You've known people who thought abiding in God meant basically living at the church house all the time. I guess they assume Jesus lives here or something, so they spend lots of time in church. Then there are those who spend lots of time praying. It's a good thing. I highly recommend it. But to pray without ceasing doesn't mean that we don't have lives to live. What's it mean to abide in God? Does it mean to deny yourself and your feelings? I was encouraged to quote the Apostle Paul, no longer I, but Christ who lives in me, which meant that I turned religion into a kind of reward system where Christ would abide in me if I was doing the right things. Or perhaps your challenge is the challenge that I faced throughout my life, and that is that I had my picture of God in many ways backwards. Backwards. Somehow in my construct, the notion of God as this holy other, the creator of the universe who is to be feared above above all things, is just so deep-seated in me that that's where I go oftentimes without thinking. And Jesus, the Son, this one without sin who was raised from the dead, who's now at the right hand of the Father, well, these beings are so great and so different and so perfect that the notion for me of abiding in them sounds impossible or maybe even at best uncomfortable. I mean, how are you roommates or family abiding with such larger-than-life beings. Have you been around someone who's rich and famous? One of my 15 minutes of fame was back in 1985, I guess that's 30 years ago, when I got to spend 45 minutes alone with this rocker named Bruce Springsteen. Some of you older folks have heard of him. Your younger ones will introduce you to him later. The boss, he was huge. His Born in the USA tour was huge. And because of events and circumstances, I got to spend 45 minutes alone with him backstage. It was great fun. But I can't really say that I could abide with Bruce Springsteen. It wasn't completely comfortable. There was a chasm between him and me. I mean, I'm just me. He's the boss. And I think a lot of times that's the way we approach God. And then along comes Jesus, who suggests to us, maybe your picture is backwards. Maybe God is this holy other who is sacred mystery beyond us, while true isn't God's first name. Maybe it's like a, you've got a pair of binoculars, but you're looking in the wrong end. Binoculars are supposed to make things look closer. But if you turn them around and look in the, the front end, things look farther away than ever. Maybe your binoculars are backwards for God. This one is deep within us and all around us. This intimate graciousness, which is really our first and only home.
What if we could image God as the place where you feel most at home? Most at home. What if God were the place where you could speak the truth about yourself, where you could name your wounds, where you could not be afraid, where you could take off your mask and live beyond your fears and your ego needs and these small, often pinched lives that you and I are inclined to live? What if we could live in a frame which on the one hand both recognizes our relative smallness next to the universe. We're here just for a little bit of time. We're small in many ways. We're insignificant, yes. But we are also, at the very same time, offsprings of this power and love we call God. For God is this mix of Nature's power and beauty and strength, coupled with this unexplainable love, empathy, beauty that, that forms us and animates us and allows us to be something other than just robots. We love. And love comes from this source God. It's who we are. This is our foundational identity. This is our name. This is our address. And it comes from this abiding in God. It's like the story Jesus told of the man who was unhappy in the home he lived in. He asked his father for his share of the inheritance, but in the parlance of my father, he forgot where he lived. He went out and he wasted his life on riotous living. I got a little glimpse of the riotous living Friday night on my way home from Friday church. As I was leaving, people apparently were leaving Churchill Downs from the Oaks night. And as I'm at the corner of Longest and Bardstown Road waiting at the light, I see a limousine pull up, a beautiful stretch limousine, all shiny. I see a guy get out. He's got on suede shoes, this great-looking suit. He's got a hat on. And as he leaned down and launched onto the pavement about 15 mint juleps, I thought to myself, this brother has been engaged in riotous living. And the father waits and hopes and keeps an eye out until Jesus said the man came to himself. And he starts his way home and he's forming a speech in his mind about he's just going to live in the servants' quarters. But when he comes to the father, the father is there waiting, saying to him in essence, welcome home. Welcome home. This is where you belong with me. In other words, coming to yourself isn't just renouncing cheap women and cheap booze. It's about being willing to look deep within your heart, even to the point of your pain for your home, for God. I went on a retreat last week with a couple of other men from Highland. Several have asked me, what would you do? What was it like? All I can really say is we talked about these things, these 
places where we're wounded and wondered, as Richard Rohr would say, if these might be the very hiding places of God, that our wounds, the places of our wounds are the places of our gift, greatest gifts. As Carl Jung said, it's, it's where we stumble and fall. That's where we're going to find pure gold. It's not easy. It's not easy. To abide in Christ, to move in with him, is to move in with this wounded one who took his wounds and allowed them to become the tools of redemption for all the world. And I think when we move in with him, we are being invited to let our wounds, our habits, our own ego needs, the ways we make false assumptions about ourselves and others, to let all those places become the very place where grace and growth happen. Is it possible? I heard someone this week reciting the 23rd Psalm. I've heard it my whole life. Most of us know it by heart. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. But I heard a line this time that kind of, Stopped me. You know the line. It says, God, you prepare a table before me in the presence of who? My enemies. Whoa. What kind of banquet table is that? In front of your enemies? I mean, unless you're just going to taunt them. (laughs) I've got good food. You don't. You know, what's the point? Unless your enemy, maybe not the person, but the wound, the reality of your wound, where you feel most vulnerable and afraid, what if that could become your teacher, your door into God, your way? It's a heavy stuff, which is why we're glad to have visitors every Sunday. We're glad to have folks who are here every Sunday. But I have to remind you, you can't just dabble at abiding in God. You can't just show up for church and get your perfect attendance pen and think that you've done your deal. You can't abide in God by loitering down the street and sort of looking up at God or even stepping into the yard and keeping a safe distance. You can't do it by peeking in the windows. You can't even do it by standing on the threshold because this abiding is light It's like light. You know that when you sort of stand halfway in the light, when you hold back and let the light only shine on part of you, that what happens behind you is what? A shadow. And our spiritual shadows are those places where we've only let some of the light come in on us. And the only way really to eliminate shadows, those dark sides of ourselves is to step fully and completely and wholly into this light, to step into the middle of it and embrace it and let it embrace you and bless you and heal you from all directions. And when you're fully in, there's this sense of home, this sense of rightness. You're surrounded and engulfed in this new reality. And that's when I think what Jesus says actually becomes true. Ask for whatever you wish, whatever you wish. Because you're not going to wish for a million dollars or that red Corvette or that ice cream or that girl or that guy. What you're going to wish for 
is what you most receive. And it is done for you. I read these passages from John 15, again from 1 John, and I realize Jesus really wants us to abide with him. He says, this is not an elective. This is a required course. Abide in me. I'll abide in you. And the question today is, what if he's right? What if that is the way, the truth, the life? What if abiding and finding our identity and peace in following this wounded one of going deep within ourselves is really where we discover that our real home is where our heart is? Welcome home. Welcome home. Let's pray together. God, beyond us and deep within us. When the voices of inadequacy suggest to us that we are not worthy to be called your children, may your living word in us ring loud and true, and may we find our eternal home in you. In your holy name we pray. Amen.